Hello and welcome to CBS Radio Mystery Theater from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Cloudiness through Friday with the chance of showers and afternoon and evening thunderstorms through tomorrow. A slight chance of thunder showers Friday afternoon, warmer tomorrow. The low tonight and tomorrow night, 50 to 55. The high tomorrow and Friday, 75 to 80. The chance of rain, 30% tonight and tomorrow, 20% tomorrow night. The temperature at the airport, 61 degrees. In Boulder, 62 degrees. And at the KOA weather station in downtown Denver, it's 65 degrees. This has been the Night Report for Wednesday, September the 10th. This is Dick McDaniel saying good night for the Night Report news team and inviting you to stay tuned for the CBS Radio Mystery Theater. The CBS Radio Mystery Theater presents... Marshall. We read in the morning paper that the sun will explode in another 10 billion years, an incredibly long way off. But there are those who are concerned about the survival of mankind before those 10 billion years come to pass. They're sure that we will blow ourselves or poison ourselves out of existence long before that big blast comes. If we are to survive, if we can survive, they tell us we will be forced to migrate beyond our own tiny solar system to worlds as yet unknown, to forms of life that go beyond our present wildest imaginations. Look down at your feet, Ned. Right under the guidance system. What is that? Looks like a little pool of... Do you smell ammonia? Yes, I do. How did it get there? I have no idea. And there's another little pool... And another. Spreading out, wider and wider. Could it be that from some distant star out here in space, we're being invaded by a new form of life? Our mystery drama, Ocean of Emptiness, was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Arnold Moss. It stars Paul Hecht, and Terry Keene. I'll be back shortly with Act One. Knowledge is the basis from which man makes his leaps into the unknown. Incredible knowledge. In his attempts to discover the nature of the universe, man keeps making the kind of advances which sometimes simplify sometimes complicate the process we call life. The time is a distant day in the future, 1995 to be exact. Two young Americans are tearing through space in the spaceship Hyperion, the first married couple to investigate some of the profoundest mysteries of the universe. They have tuned their radio receiver to ground control back on Earth. darknesses of space, 
never to return. This happened exactly 100 years ago today, back in the year 1995. Ned and Chloe Miller were pioneers in the most daring adventure ever conceived by man up until Turn it that off, time. Ned. It's crazy, Chloe. I mean, what kind of joke are they pulling? He was talking about us, whoever he was. Yeah, as if we were dead. Dead for a hundred years. As if this were the year 2095. A hundred years from now. <laughs> gag or no gag, it is a little scary. Yeah, it's got to be that idiot Charlie Abbott down at ground control. His crazy sense of humor. Mm, some joke. Yeah, wait till we get back. I'll pin that monkey's ears right into the ground. If we get back. What are you talking about? We've been out now for more than 36 hours. In a little over a day and a half, we've covered nearly 400 million miles. Right, Captain? Right, Lieutenant. The reading says 389,986,000 miles from Earth. Well, what's your point, Chloe? Here we are, almost in orbit with the planet Jupiter. When we left the launching pad, we were traveling at 50,000 miles an hour. In almost no time... We're approaching the speed of light itself. Oh, it's one of the reasons we're here. 175,000 miles per second. Yeah, nearly 11 million miles an hour. So what? 10, 15 years ago, only a writer with a mad imagination would have thought this was possible. So? So, I'm terrified. That's what. Absolutely terrified. And that's why I want us to turn back. You know as well as I do we can't do that. Why can't we? For the first time in history, two people have been shot out into space where they're completely on their own. Except for our periodic reports back to ground control, we can go where we please, how we please, when we please. Big deal. I don't understand you. We are about to change the whole concept of the universe, maybe, if Chloe, what's wrong with you? Not a thing. Look, we're piling up firsts, one right after the other. The first man and wife in space. The first humans to travel in the gravitational pull of other planets. The first manned flight to the last outposts of the I solar know, system. I know, I know, Ned. I can recite them all backwards. I am still afraid. Of what? I'm afraid for you and me. I'm, I'm just afraid for us. Oh, I don't get it. We know that as an object like this ship approaches the speed of light, the energy that's needed to move that object... Increases. Head of the class, clone. High school physics, Einstein's theory, E equals MC square. Then you tell me the rest. What's there to tell? As the energy increases, so does the mass of the moving object. And? Go on, finish it. If the speed of light were to be achieved, and we're getting about as close to that speed as we ever will, then what happens? What happens, Ned? High school physics. Nothing happens. Nothing? Well, the mass. The mass. The moving object, in our case, this ship. What happens? The mass becomes infinite. Immeasurable. Which we both know is impossible. Right? Which is why we can never actually reach the speed of light, no matter how close to it we may come. But the closer we do get to it, the closer the possibility of destroying ourselves, of blowing ourselves into tiny little atoms of dust. And that's why I want to go back. You knew all that before we ever started out. Nobody forced you, you know. Now, if we... If we turned back, we'd be thoroughly disgraced. But we'd be alive. Oh, Chloe, take a look at all those stars out there. 
billions and billions of them, like so many tiny snowdrops or, or fireflies twinkling their little lights against a background of velvety black darkness. And just think, the light they're giving off, the light we are looking at, left those billions of stars millions and millions of years ago. And no human being has ever been closer to them than we are at this very moment. It's breathtaking. The mystery of what we're looking at takes my breath away, too, but I want to look at them not from up here in space, but from the Earth once again, with my feet firmly planted on the ground. Oh, Captain, what do you say? What's that? We're on alert. What's going on? Nothing on the scanner. I don't see anything. Wait a minute, Ned. Look there. In the lower half of the third quadrant. That tiny speck. You're right. How far away is it? How does it read? It's directly on our course, headed straight for us. Unless we alter course, we'll collide smack into it. 0.5 minutes. In 30 seconds. What the devil can it be? I don't know. I'm taking evasive action. I'm veering us over to 0.15 degrees to port. Hold tight. It's coming right at us. Whatever it is, I've never seen it on any of the charts. Take a look at those huge tongues of blue and yellow flames lapping the sides of it. Like a huge fiery rock of some kind turning over and over on itself. I'll bet it's 20 miles across if it's an inch. Are we all right? I think so. Here it comes. That was close. Much too close. What do you make of it? I'm not sure. Hand me those color photos of Jupiter that Voyages 1 and 2 sent back in 1979. You know, the ones where they discovered Jupiter's 14th moon? Here you are. There are the star maps, too. Mm. Well, as I see it, there are two possibilities. Either way, I think we've really got something. Look at this. On the photos. That little dot? That's no little dot, Chloe. That could be the thing that nearly blew us into eternity. And if I'm right... If you're right? We'll have discovered what we've been looking for for years. The fastest moving natural satellite of a planet on the whole solar system. You mean... I mean the 15th moon of the planet Jupiter. Now, the findings back in 79 always held out the promise of an additional moon... And that alone would make this project something pretty wonderful. <laughs> yeah, we could call it Chloe. After you, dear. But you just said either way we've got something. What did you mean by either way? If by some chance I'm wrong, and it's not another moon... Then? Then we could be in for some trouble. Real trouble. What are you thinking? That there's the possibility of it being an interloper. A barbarian power of some kind from some other galaxy trying to invade the solar system. An alien force that for some reason is bent on destroying us. It's almost time for us to make our report to ground control, Chloe. We've got to tell them what's happened. What have you got to report? The passage, the the appearance of that thing. How it nearly crashed into us, nearly destroyed us, and the whole mission with it. Oh, great. And the first question you'll be asked is, what do you think it was? What are you going to tell them? That it was uh, a thing? No, of course not. That it was a, a moon? The 15th moon of Jupiter? No, 
But then it might be. They're going to ask you for proof. Got to find out more, much more than we know now. Well, I've got to report something. Uh, oh, go ahead, then. Tell them your other theory. Tell them that it could be a weird ship of some kind from some crazy galactic system. Tell them it was probably propelled by some odd, misshapen little monsters looking desperately to immigrate from their tiny star a billion miles from Earth onto one of our sad little planets. Tell ground control that, Ned. They'll think you've gone completely mad. You may be right, Clove. Well, you're the commander of the Hyperion, not I, Ned. It's your party. And it's your pretty neck. I vote to turn back to Earth immediately. Wait, wait. Just just one minute, Chloe. What's the composition of Jupiter's atmosphere? Do you remember? Of course. Hydrogen, helium, methane, ammonia, water. And so forth. Don't you see? See what? Almost the same components that were on Earth when life first emerged back there. You mean... The thing that nearly jammed us could have taken off directly from the surface of Jupiter itself? Why not? That there might be some kind of life form on Jupiter? Exactly. But that's crazy. Nobody could breathe. Nothing could live in that kind of atmosphere. You couldn't. I couldn't. But isn't it conceivable that some other kind of being, a new and completely different form of life, could... A great English poet, 200 years ago, had high praise for the man who, through vast immensity, can observe what other planets circle round the suns, what varied being peoples every star. Ned Miller suspects that he may be such a man, a man on the brink of throwing light on the age-old question... Does some form of life exist outside the Earth itself? More when we return shortly with Act Two. It's been said that the universe is full of magical things patiently waiting for our wits to grow sharp enough to discover them. Ned Miller is almost certain that he and his wife, Chloe, are on the sharp brink of human history at the birth of a gigantic, mysterious adventure more important almost than anything the human mind has ever been capable of grasping. Don't do it, Ned. It could be dangerous. Don't try to stop me, Chloe. At this moment, we're orbiting Jupiter at a distance of less than two million miles. At our present speed, we could alter course and reach its surface in ten minutes. Then what? Land on Jupiter? Not yet. First, I'm going to probe a direct radio signal to its surface. See what response I get, if any. Pretty big target. Where do you direct the beam? What part of Jupiter's surface? Right onto the great red spot. Ned, no, you can't do that. Jupiter gives off a higher magnetic energy than anything in space we know of. As for the great red spot, we know almost nothing at all about it. What you're about to do could very well blast us to bits. Yeah, well, it's the chance we'll have to take. Don't take that chance, Ned, please. We've gone this far. We're not stopping now. Then heaven help us both. Here we go. No! Turn it off! Stop it! Yes, stop it! Uh, Ned, are you all right? I, I think so. 
you? A little shook up. You stopped transmitting just in time. Yeah, I guess it was more than we could take. That was the biggest electrical storm I've ever seen in my life. The bolts of lightning, the balls of orange flame. Yeah, we could never get through that circle of energy. Even when I changed frequencies. We came close to overloading every one of our circuits. Ned, look at me. No, please, don't turn away. Look at me. What's wrong now? I don't know. Something funny is happening to you. Something I don't understand. Like what? Like those gray streaks in your hair, the ones I'm so fond of. The streaks you say make me look so handsome, so distinguished, so mature? Ned, they're not there. They're gone. What are you talking about? Here, look in the mirror. Mm-hmm. And the scar on your cheek? From the accident years ago. It's not there either. It's gone, too. And you look... You look five years younger than you did a few minutes ago. Hand me the mirror. Those lines under my eyes. They're gone. I look the way I did a couple of years back, too. What is happening? I'm not sure. Could it be that... No. No, that would be insane. What? When we travel as close to the speed of light as we are now, we're into a whole new concept of time, of space, in which common sense has almost no experience. Right? We both know that. It just could be that... Ned, look at your wristwatch. What time do you have? Well, back on Earth, the time should be... The second hand of your watch. Look at it. It's moving counterclockwise. Now look at the atomic clock over your head. Same thing. It's going backwards, too. Slowly, but backwards. Don't you see? As our ship gains speed, time is slowing down. We're being forced to go backward in time. Just like your watch and the clock. But, Chloe... That would mean that all our biological processes are starting to work in reverse. Which would explain how we look. Ned, first we've got to slow down, and then you've got to turn this ship back to Earth right now. This very minute. Chloe, for the last time, I have no intention of turning back. No matter what the risk. What makes you so absolutely pig-headed? Because I know that the chemistry on Jupiter existed almost identically on our own planet long before the emergence of life. So what? I know, too, that millions of years ago, the Earth's first atmosphere, when it was exposed to the action of sunlight, produced more complex molecules, organic molecules of a very crude but elementary form of life. And? The possibility of that having happened, of happening on Jupiter, may be remote. As remote as our being out here in space, traveling at this speed would have been only ten years ago. Your point is... Even if there's only one chance in a million that there is a form of life on Jupiter, we cannot turn our backs on that possibility. Is that it, Ned? That's it. Then get out of my way. What do you think you're doing? Don't try to stop me. I'm taking us back to Earth. Put down that laser gun, Don't come near me, Ned. Because I will use this gun if you make me. You stay where you are. Drop that gun. Ned, you... You hit me. Don't you try anything like that again. Now, the first thing we do is report to ground control on Earth. Tell them what we've seen, what's been happening, and what we plan to do. 
And then? And then we're going to try to get through to Jupiter. We just tried and you couldn't. We nearly got killed. The radio signal couldn't get through. That's not to say that we, the ship, couldn't. You mean you're going to stop circling Jupiter and try to get the ship past that fantastic magnetic field? We'll be vaporized into cinders. Remember that line in Shakespeare's Macbeth? I dare do all that may become a man who dares do more is none. Get ground control on the sensor. Hyperion to ground control. Earth. Hyperion to ground control. Earth. Come in, please. I'm having trouble contacting them. I'll keep trying. Hyperion orbiting the planet Jupiter to ground control. Earth. Any station. Any station. Earth. Come in, please. Nothing, Ned. You've made allowance for the time lapse? Of course. Wait. Wait, there's something coming through. It's very faint, but I think I may have something. What do you make of that? Quiet, Ned. I want to hear this. Try another wavelength. I already have. Here it comes again. What is it? I haven't the slightest idea. It's certainly not ground control. That couldn't possibly be Earth. Wait a minute. Those lights out there. Like the 4th of July. Where are they coming from? Shining right into our eyes. They're trying to blind us. What in heaven's name is causing that? Take a look out of the starboard portal. I, I don't believe it. You were right. Those sounds, they were not coming from Earth. There's where they were coming from. It's... It's that thing. It's come back again. That big flaming rock. Whatever it is, it's still after us. Spitting its flames all over the place. Veer over to Port Plow. Okay. Ned. The rock's doing the same thing. Give it more, Plow. Further to Port. No, it doesn't seem to make any difference. And take it to starboard. You see, there's the same number of degrees that we do, in the same direction. Put us into reverse. Back off from it, and whatever you do, maintain speed. We're in reverse. But the distance between us remains the same. No. I'm wrong. It's coming closer. We're acting like a magnet, drawing it to us. Close. That's no rock. That's a vessel. A, a ship of some kind. But from where? There's that signal again. I have an idea. What? Look, if it were out to destroy us, it would have done so by this time. Instead, it keeps following every move we make. What are you getting at? Whatever it is, I think it may not be out to destroy us at all. You think maybe they're trying to communicate with us? That's my guess. There they go again. Same signal. Turn on the decoding system, Clo. It should decode whatever it is they're trying to say to us. Translate it into something we can understand. What's happening? The decoder doesn't seem to work. All it does is make their signal even stronger than it was. Nothing? Nothing at all. What do we do? Well, for the moment, all we can do is to maintain course. See what happens. Ned? Yeah? The rock. 
Oh, thank heavens it's going away. Yeah, so it is. Do you, do you smell anything like ammonia in here? Ammonia? I smell ammonia. So do I. <laughs> Where would it be coming from? Look, down at your feet, Ned, right under the guidance system. What is that? Oh, it looks like a little... It's a it's a pool of liquid. It's 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 growing larger. Well, how did it get there? I have no idea. Uh, there's another little pool near the transmitter. Do we have any ammonia on board? Not that I know of. Do you suppose? Hey, there's another one behind you, over there near the grid, spreading out wider and wider, all by itself. Ammonia is one of the ingredients of Jupiter's atmosphere. Could it be some sort of life form from Jupiter? The life form you've been suspecting, Ned? I don't know. And if these liquid pools should be that, how did they get in here, here into the cabin? I have no idea. Something just occurred to me. That message we picked up from Earth, the one where we heard that man speaking about us, what great heroes we were. Yeah, what about it? Could it in some way tie up with all this? Could it be there has been some kind of permanent twisting of time? Something we don't understand? Maybe it is, just as the man said, the year 2095. A hundred years from the time we lifted off. Now take it easy, And Chloe. if it is, what are we doing here with that thing outside breathing down our necks and the growing pools of ammonia on board ship coming from nowhere? Maybe, maybe we are dead. Maybe we've been dead for a long time. Maybe we're a couple of corpses whirling around in an endless ocean of emptiness. Where do ideas originate? Do they come from hard reasoning? Or do ideas come from those natural instincts we call intuition? And if they do come from intuition, is it true that the insight, the intuition of a woman, is a lot more sensitive, more reliable than that of a man? If that's true, then Chloe Miller's fears that she and Ned may both indeed be dead, floating through endless space, should give us more than a moment's pause. Give to the college of your choice. A public service message of this station and the Advertising Council. people who are convinced that we children of the earth may be about ready to reach maturity in the great universe that lies beyond the tiny worlds we know of. And when this happens, they say, it's altogether probable that a new species of life will break out of its present physical bonds and become free and independent in the universe. But we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. We just heard Chloe Miller say to her husband as they hurtled through space, Maybe we are dead. Maybe we've been dead for a long time. Maybe we're a couple of corpses whirling around in an endless ocean of emptiness, just behaving as if we were alive. Chloe, I've changed my mind. We are turning back. Back to Earth. Oh, Ned, thank you. Oh, thank you. You don't know how happy that makes me. Oh, would you like to know why? The only thing that matters is that we're going back. It's... 
because... Well, now, I'm afraid. Ned, you know I wasn't really serious about that laser gun. I would never have used it. Yeah. It's a little more than that. I don't follow. For the past few hours, your fears have been building one right after the other. The fear of being vaporized in space because of our speed. The enormous fear of that thing that's still out there somewhere. The fear of my wanting to try to make an actual encounter to land on Jupiter. And then... Yes? Now look at me, Chloe. The silver streaks in my hair. <laughs> the scar on my cheek. They're where they've always been. But they did disappear. We both saw it. Yeah, they went away only for a minute or two. And I think I know why. Look at the atomic clock over your head. Which way is the second hand moving? The way it should, but... It wasn't before, Ned. I swear to you, it was moving backwards. And suppose it was. What are you trying to tell me? That I'm not responsible for what I see or do? That's not what I'm talking about. Then what are you talking about? Because only one of us can be right. No, we're both right. We must have penetrated some kind of weird time pocket, like an air pocket in which time and our life processes were, in fact, working in reverse. But we're out of that now. And things are normal once again. Normal? Are there pools of liquid down there at your feet or aren't there? Is that smell of ammonia normal? Or is all this something that will be gone in a minute or two? No, the pools are there. The pools are real. Then maybe I'm not quite as irresponsible as you make me seem. We're going back. Once we leave Jupiter's orbit, we should be back on Earth in, oh, 38 hours. Roughly. Yeah. What's our course? According to the grid reading, it looks as if... Wait a minute. What is it? The reading on the Omicron activator, it should be 108. Instead, it's at zero. It's gone dead. And the grid is blank. Yeah, what's gone wrong? Ned, do you think that they, the, the pools of ammonia or whatever they are, do you think they might have done something to the ship's mechanism? Otherwise, there's no reason for this malfunction. Well, what could they have done? Shh, keep your voice down. They may hear us. What? They may understand. Well, what are you doing with that fire extinguisher? The liquid carbon dioxide in the extinguisher. Maybe it'll work on them. What in heaven's name is... This carbon dioxide may at least neutralize those things that are spreading all over the cabin floor. There. Look at it, Ned. It's shrinking. Look, it's, it's getting smaller and smaller. Now, this one over here. And there. Whoa. Hey, they're just about gone. Look, Ned. The grid is working again. And the Overcron activator is where it should be. Then then they were causing the mechanism's malfunction. But how? The thing is, they're gone. Now, let's get this ship moving to where we want, to where we really belong, while we still can. Chloe, take a look at the scanner. Oh, you can actually begin to see Mother Earth. Everything's just as it should be. Except for one thing. Which is? Are we 100% sure that 
That is Earth? Well, that's a silly question. What else could it be? I'm not sure. I... I have the oddest feeling... It's still far off. Double the intensity on your scope and take another look. Uh-huh. Well, there's just the one moon. More than half the surface appears to be water. Plenty of oxygen in the atmosphere, and... And yet... What are you worried about? I can't say. There's something strange and unfamiliar about it. I mean, look at that thick, orange-colored smog sitting on top of everything. Ned, you're tired. The strain's been a little too much. For both of us. We'll be arriving in no time at all. What are your plans, Captain? Well, before we head in for actual re-entry, we activate the helicopter system. Then we can hover over it for a bit, take a careful look to see what we're getting on to when we land. Ground speed, slow. 72 miles an hour. Chopper system. Everything A-OK. Where are we headed? I'm not sure yet. Just looking. If we could only make contact with ground control. Our re-entry was programmed for South Dakota. Yeah, that's what's puzzling me. This is certainly not South Dakota. Look at it. Mile after mile of nothing but yellow sand and desert. Not one tree. Not even a single bit of shrubbery. All of it flat as the palm of my hand. Where are we? <laughs> Your guess is as good as mine. Well, then keep going. After all, we have made it back to Earth. Ned? Look, up ahead. Those are mountains, aren't they? Rising out of the flatland? Yes, so they are. Let's head toward them. Meantime, I'll go over the ground charts again. Try to find some sort of a clue. Wait a minute. What's that? Down there, over to the right. I've never seen anything like it. Like a tremendous plastic bubble. An enormous sheet of film covering the mountains. As if it were protecting them in some way. It stretches out almost to the horizon. Let's go down, take a look, see what it is. some way of getting inside this bubble. <laughs> Wherever we go, it's sealed tight. No hint of an opening. Are we so sure that we want to get inside? Why not? Hey, how did that happen? It opened by itself. A panel of some kind. It just slid open. Do we go in? Follow me. The panel. It slid closed behind us. Ned, I don't believe it. Look. Look at all that lush green vegetation and the flowers. Varieties and colors I've never seen before. Such fantastic shapes. Chloe, look up there. At the top of the mountain. Where? Straight up. How could I have missed them? That's Mount Rushmore. Hey, that... That's the head of George Washington carved into the rock. Isn't that Lincoln? Jer- and Jefferson? And Teddy Roosevelt. The features are all worn away. We're in South Dakota, all right. No doubt of that. But how did Mount Rushmore... In fact, what are we doing under this plastic canopy that's over everything? Oh. There's something weird going on here. Oh, no. No, not that. That same signal... Ned, 
Turn around. Hey, are, are, those, are, are those people coming down that path from, from those caves up there? There are six of them. Where are they? They look like human beings, but they're all bald and their skin is like parchment. They all look alike. And they're so old. So terribly, terribly ancient. They walk as if they were asleep or, or dead. They've stopped. That one, do you see? He's coming from behind the others. He's coming closer to us. He's the only one who looks different from the rest of them. <laughs> he has a big shock of white, uncombed hair. Be quiet. I think he's trying to say something to us. His lips are moving. Who are you? Um, I'm, uh, I'm Ned Miller. This is my wife, uh, Chloe. How do you do? You, uh, you look familiar. Have, <laughs> have we ever met before? I think not. I hope you were not too alarmed by your journey here. You know where you are? Our point of re-entry was programmed for South Dakota. I am so sorry. This is not, uh, how do you say it, South Dakota? You are welcome, my young friends, but you are strangers to us. Sir, uh, exactly where are we and, and, and who are you? We are of a world you never knew, people you never dreamed of. May I ask, sir, who you are? The oldest of us all. How old are you? I cannot remember exactly. One year has become so little different from any other. Yes, well, that's not so for us. This year is especially important for my wife and me. Yes, 1995 is a year we're not apt to forget. 1995? Well, you are mistaken. This is not 1995. Oh, it has to be. We left the Earth only a couple of days ago. The present year, reckoned by the primitive calendar your people used more than 5,000 years ago, is 6998. Six, six thousand nine hundred ninety-eight. But how, how could that be? Oh, it is so simple. Your space vehicle, the one that brought you here, was traveling quite close to the speed of light. Not so? You know about that? You could travel between any two places, from that Earth of yours, for example, to some very far-off star in a conveniently short period of time as measured on your vehicle. From the time of our takeoff, we've only been gone a little more than two days. Ah, but you forget. As time slowed down for you as a result of your fantastic speed, it kept going on for us. It kept going on on Earth. What was two days for you was over 5,000 years for the rest of us. Exactly 5,003 Earth's years have gone by since you left the Earth. Chloe, if, if that's so, then that would explain the voice we heard minutes after our takeoff, where they spoke of the 100th anniversary of our leaving the Earth. They, they said it was 2,095, remember? And spoke of us as if we'd been dead for a hundred years. That was 2,095. A long time ago, I know. 
I once visited your earth for a moment or two in eternity. You keep saying your earth, that earth of yours. If that isn't Mount Rushmore up there, what are those four heads carved into the rocks? Well, they are the heads of the four scientists who are supposed to have made the greatest contributions to the universe in the past five millennia. The features are almost worn away by the ravages of time. Then I ask again, who are you? And how did we get here? You are here because we wanted you here. You thought you were returning to your own little planet, but it was quite a simple matter for us to alter your course in space. You mean all those things that were happening to us out there... We made them happen. But why? Because we were curious to investigate an unusual species of life that has become almost totally extinct in the universe. A species called the human race. You're talking about the two of us. Exactly. Sir, you must permit us to return to Earth. Return? There is no longer any Earth. Your people destroyed it. You fouled the world with air you could not breathe, with water you could not drink, with food that poisoned you. Some of you had the good sense to emigrate here. But then the same thing began to happen. So, we built this bubble, as you call it, as our protection against you. And you, sir? I have lived in many places in different universes at many, many different times. You see, I have almost learned the great secret of immortality, of life without ends. Now you must excuse me, please. I have grown a little tired. Make yourselves comfortable... My friends will take care of all your wants. Sir, one last question. Yes. Just, who are you? Your name? A simple mathematician and an amateur violinist. My name? Albert Einstein. Albert. Albert Einstein. Mr. Miller, Mrs. Miller, Ned, Chloe... I bid you both a very pleasant welcome. A well-known poet has written, I dipped into the future far as human eye could see, saw the vision of the world and all the wonder that could be. We've done more than a little dipping into the future with our story, but who is to say that it could not happen? I'll return shortly. Danielle Steele. Millions of women like you and me have loved her bestsellers. From To Love Again to The Promise. Because no one knows more about loving. I thought loving would never be part of my life again. After two men broke my heart. That was before Oliver. Before I learned how little I know about myself. And loving. Loving. Danielle Steele's new novel captures all the joys and risks that are part of every woman's passion. Loving. A new Dell paperback bestseller. Here's an important energy announcement from Amana. An announcement that can save you money. According to figures just published by the United States government, 
Amana refrigerators have the lowest estimated yearly operating costs in five out of eight different size categories, from 12 cubic feet to 25 cubic feet. So if you're looking for a refrigerator, big or small, see your Amana retailer right away. Amana, first again with energy savers. Albert Einstein was not, is not, if you please, an extraterrestrial living on some far-off star who designed to spend a minute or two of his time, his time, on Earth. That, of course, is no more than a figment of our writer's imagination. But the element of an incredibly huge time warp, the tremendous difference between the time of an object traveling close to the speed of light and the time back on Earth, is not the product of a writer's fantasies, but absolute, proven, scientific fact. A fact which we owe to Dr. Albert Einstein. Our cast included Paul Hecht, Terry Keene, and Arnold Moss. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. And now, a preview of our next tale. I want you to sponsor me. Sponsor you? Why? I am carrying your work forward. You are denying everything I ever held to be true. But I'm building on your foundation. Well, you'll discredit me. Your place is secure. But now you must yield to men who have gone beyond you. It happens to all great discoverers. Darwin, Freud, Einstein. Yes, but not yet. Not now. Not this year. Wait till I'm dead. Professor! This... This dagger destroys me. This bronze-bladed dagger destroys me. Why did you have to find it? Because it was there. Why did you have to bring it here and show it to me? Because I wanted you to be the first to know. The first to know that I'm disgraced? Professor, that isn't true. Oh, I could kill you. What are you saying? I could kill you with this dagger. I could kill you. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time... Pleasant dreams.